The reading for the day comes from 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8a. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Good morning, everybody. My name is Jonah. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. And I'm one of your pastors here at Zao with your other pastor here at Zao. And seeing as it's Valentine's Day, we thought we would talk about love. Um, specifically, our love, which is gross <laughs> and cheesy. Um, but, uh, yeah, we wanted, we wanted to talk about it a little bit um, because some people are curious about our love and also... Um, I, like I, I used to be a really private person. I, the first person I ever dated that I introduced to my family, who I'm like very close with, um, but the first person I ever like brought home or let my parents meet for sure was Cameron <laughs> <laughs> when I was 30 years old. Yes. Um, my, my friends didn't always even meet the people I dated before Cameron uh, because I was really private. And now, m now our love is all over Facebook and I'm very gushy about it. Um, and there are a lot of reasons for that, but one of them is that I've learned that it's actually really important to model love and to like let give people kind of access to it, especially queer love, especially queer Christian love. Um, and it's one of the reasons that you and I are just really open about our queerness and our transness and our faith together, because I think that a lot of people feel like love is impossible for them uh, for any number of reasons. and certainly queerness and Christianity have been um, pitted against one another that, that they both can't be central to your relationship and it's obviously very important to the both of us. So, I don't know, any other reasons? I Like, I asked you to do this. Is there any other reason you consented to? Because I love them and I right. love you. Ah, Well, and we will talk, you know, we want to talk about relationships um, uh, a significant amount, but we will uh, talk about all kinds of love today. So, um, there's something for everybody here. Yeah? Yeah, no, I, I think that love is really important to talk about. I don't think that I had good, I know that I didn't have a lot of, like, queer, certainly no uh, trans people who I look to to have, uh, like, good advice or good uh, people to look to that uh, taught me how to, to love. So I think it's really important to have this conversation. And like we're in a church and love is thrown all over the place. The word love, uh, there's totally. a lot of people who have been hurt by the ways that churches have tried to decide like who you get to love, how you get to love, what does love look like. And so I think this is a really important topic. It's not just like, oh, Jonah asked me to do this and that's that. But like I think this is a really important topic and of course, you know, it's Valentine's Day or whatever, so we should we should talk about love. Love. Okay. Um so we're gonna start with just a couple of we can't do the whole thing, but um these kind of Facebook tell us about your relationship posts. We're just gonna run through a couple random ones. So um, how long have we been together? Math. Three and a half years? Yeah. Yeah, three and yeah. a half years. Three and yeah. a half years sounds right. <laughs> we are married. We've been married for two and a half of those. Yeah. Um, fun fact, we were together for 30 seconds before we got engaged. More accurately, three months. months. <laughs> three months. Yeah. We yeah. were together three months. Uh, I knew, I, another fun fact, I knew that I wanted to marry Cameron before we started dating. Um, 
and uh, I really hoped that he would want that too someday. Um, all right, age difference. I could so easily lie to you about this. Why? Because yeah. you always. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I'm always like, how old am I? I don't remember. <laughs> I'm the one that that keeps track of Cameron's age for him. We are. I am one month and I am one year and four months older than you are. But I, I could make that up every time. Absolutely. And I would believe you. Yep. Because I trust you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Guilted. Yeah. Uh, who's taller? Uh, who, who said I love you first? You did. You did. You did. You did. You this is a fight we have. They did. Cameron did. Absolutely. No. Yeah. No. I don't really remember the origins of this conflict, just that you're wrong about we'll it. We'll talk about this later. <laughs> um, who is uh, loudest? <laughs> I mean me. <laughs> I'm pretty loud, you guys. Uh, <coughs> most stubborn? Me. Oh, maybe <laughs> I'm not. Oh, 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 oh. Anyway. It's both of us. The real, <laughs> <laughs> real answer is both of us for sure. Um, also, these are not picked. I have no idea what we're <laughs> asking right now. I know. Uh, better morning person? Oh, easy. Yeah. Me. Cameron, for sure. Yeah. I would stay up all night. Um, in fact, I used to stay up all night. When we, fir <laughs> when we first met, we had a really hard time because Cameron was used to falling asleep at 9 p.m. every <laughs> night. That's true. And I was used to falling asleep sometime between 2 and 4 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. It was an adjustment. Um. All right, uh, who picks where we go to dinner? Jesus. <laughs> because Jesus is the only one that can get us to answer that question. <laughs> it's a struggle. You would think that we would, like, based on everything else we've said, you would think that we would both have strong opinions and would, would be very much, you know, no. Ne we, we fight about who has to pick. What do you want? No, what do you want? No, but what do you really but want? What do you want that? But if, but if we went there, would you but really like really it? But if I really want tacos, do you, know what you, do would you get? want tacos? Are you sure? We're the worst. Yeah. Um, where's the furthest we've traveled? I want to say California. Yeah. yeah, probably. Yeah. We went to California once. Yeah. Do you remember traveling? Do you remember leaving places to go to other places on purpose oh. do you remember airplanes i i was like i it's so long ago i hear stories no. yeah yeah anyway all right so we will we will get into the real love questions now i'm so sorry we can't there's we don't have the tech right now to like truly interface with your your live questions but we got a couple questions from the community and i also like curated a lot of random um advice or like truisms from Instagram about love that we're gonna talk about. But the first thing that we wanna talk about um, is the many different kinds of love. So um, before I decided it would be a lot more fun to just have this conversation, I, I was gonna do a sermon on the um, six different Greek words for love, um, all of which we translate into English as love, but have like all these different connotations. Um, and we're not gonna go through all of them, but I wanna go through a couple of them right now. Um, so the, the one that um, I think is most associated with Valentine's Day is eros, eros love, E-R-O-S. And eros, um, what? I was gonna kiss you. Aww. No, I'm not, just joking. Um, eros love actually freaked the Greeks out. They were like bummed out about it. The, I think it's connected to like the mythology of Cupid you know, struck by the arrow. They were, uh, the Greeks talked about Eros as something that was actually kind of terrifying because it like took, uh, like swept over you and made you lose your mind. <laughs> I understand. We call it oxytocin now, but, <laughs> but Eros is like we, what we associate with romantic love, with that like falling in love, that deep kind of romantic thing. Um, and some people are into that and some people aren't. Uh, I didn't think it would ever be for me. It turns out it was, but only with this guy. And, um, but that's where we get like erotic, so there's like sexy connotations to it. Um, inter interestingly, it is not in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible. What? The word eros, not in scripture. I'm learning with you all. Yeah. Um, but that's the one that we, I think as a culture, we really fixate on, and it's great. Like, I am on board, like, here for it. Um, but not everybody is, and I think that's fine, and I think that one of the reasons that we as a, 
as a collective body of Jesus followers and certainly as the American Christian Church have really lost our way in talking about relationships is that in our context, I think there is kind of an overemphasis um, on eros and erotic love, which is really fun. Like, I just, I cannot emphasize this enough. <laughs> I think one of the funnest times of my life was falling in love with Cameron. Um, it was just, it was good times. So I, I do recommend it if it's something you want, but uh, it just, it's not in scripture. That's not, that's not where our energy is called to be by the the kind of semantics of scripture. So then, oh, go ahead. No, I have one. Yeah. Um, so philia is brotherly love, and um, that's you know the Greeks really placed a high priority on that. That was kind of like the love that you held for someone who was your equal, um, who you just you know got down with, had like a good, solid friendship with. It was mutual respect and admiration and the joy of spending time together. Um, and that's in scripture, um, and it's usually translated into English as brotherly love. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like camaraderie. That one's cool. I love you, bro. Sup, <laughs> bro. Sup, bro. Um, the, okay, storge. We keep talking about this one because I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. This is how a lot of English speakers on the internet seem to pronounce it, storge, which sounds very, it sounds like it should be storge. It's a very Russian, the storge you have for your. It's Greek, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just. Right. Yeah. Um, so storge is, um, it's described as the love that parents have for their children but also that <laughs> a like that you would have for your local sports team <laughs> and the begrudging love you might have for your king even if he's a tyrant that is a lot of options yeah it seems to equate those three um which is really troubling and i think <laughs> i think it shows the limitations on this whole like the greeks had love down and we don't kind of thing. Um, it, it does appear in scripture. It's usually translated as natural inclinations. It's only in there twice. And it's always describing not having it. I, I interpret it as like a kind of loyalty. That like, it wasn't really affection. It wasn't really closeness. It's definitely not a parental love the way we think of God's love for us. Or frankly, the way I think that parents ought to and usually do love their children, but there is kind of like a, like a loyalty, a team spirit almost, like, yeah, storge. And then the one um, that comes up most frequently in scripture is agape. This is kind of a universal love. I associate it with empathy. Um, C.S. Lewis wrote about it, calling it charity, charitable love. Um, but it is a love that we associate with God and this kind of like universality of, uh, of love that like agape is kind of the purest love that's not really bound by any particular relationship except for one of generosity. And, and that's really cool. And one of the things that struck me when I was doing some reading about this is that agape is the love word most used in the Bible, like hands down. Um, and all of those passages, you know, the scripture for today, love is patient, love is kind, agape. Um, the scripture about God is love, agape. The scripture that says um, how like men are supposed to love their wives as Christ loved the church, agape. Um, so even in these kinds of very, very gendered or very like hyper-specific ways, scripture is choosing almost exclusively to talk about that that kind of universal charity generosity. What do you think of that? Well, I just think that's really interesting. Like, yeah, this is not planned, right? So now you're getting Cameron's thoughts of Jonah speaking. <clears throat> but I think that that's really interesting when then in our culture we are trying to relate all of those things. Well, not all of them, but a lot of relationships and who I'm allowed to love and, um, you know, what a marriage should look like, all based actually on Eros. And, like, 
<laughs> and what that makes me think is actually there wasn't a lot of erosing going on uh, in the Bible. And, I mean, if we think about culture and how it was, it probably everything was put together rather than chosen often. And so I just wonder that they actually didn't do a lot of, like, the romantic thing. It was like, this is your family. This is who you're going to be with. You have to be charitable and, and kind and all these things to them. But, like, that Eros thing um, isn't something that we talk about. And so when now we are here um, with this very romantic culture, um, trying to put that on top of all of these other types of relationships that have, have shifted in our culture anyway, um, you know, that's it's almost impossible to to talk about those things in the in the same way. So that's very interesting. Yeah, and like, what does it mean? Like, when when our culture really leans into the eros understanding of love, what does it mean then anymore when we say God is love, but we're actually talking about a, a, a very different function of love than the scriptures were? Yeah. When I when I mentioned that like eros isn't in the Bible, there you seem to have some sort of like. Relief, or do you know? I maybe waited too long to ask you this question, but no, I I think it it just like struck me that that wouldn't be talked about at all because of our our current culture and the the overemphasis on romantic love. Um, one, but two, just how again when in churches in in any church space that I've ever been, um, it's always been tamped down that we need to like figure out how to control that eros love. So where is that coming from then if that's literally not in the Bible? So, like, what are, wh- what do you have to stand on that, like, talks about this Eros love if it's not even in the Bible? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that, like, we, we also have a cultural expectation that, that relationships that would ever be characterized as romantic are exclusively or at least primarily driven by this kind of Eros in loveiness. Um, and that seems in like in the case of our relationship we're we're very gooey you know we are um, and also like that we that that's not our whole that's not the whole complexity of our love or our loving relationship at all and if it was it feels like it would just not it would just not last yeah no I, and I think like as you're talking about all the words of for love you know, I'm like, yes, we need that in our marriage and we need that in our marriage and I need that with my friends and I need that with these people I care about and my family or whatever it might be. But like without all of those expressions of love, actually, I think this wouldn't work on specific days. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I for all the <laughs> for all of the grief I gave to Storge, um, because just because I don't like anyone trying to tell me I need to love my tyrant king. <laughs> Um, but like uh, that, the idea of team spirit is actually a pretty important aspect of our of our marriage. Um, we talk about being on the same team a lot, um, and sometimes that's in the sense of like, you know, like saying thank you for being on my team, and you know, life is so much better with you on my team. And sometimes that's in the sense of like, you know, we're in conflict, and and you know, hearing from your partner, it didn't feel like you were really on my team in that moment, and going like oh man, like I have, I, that's, that's, I have failed in that moment or like I have, I've wounded my partner because I wasn't on, on his team effectively. Um, so like story, I'm, I'm back on team Storge, <laughs> I guess is my point here. Um, okay. So, uh, we're just going to jump, we're going to jump around y'all. Um, the next thing that somebody had asked about was love languages. Mm. Uh, do you want to talk through the love languages? I wrote them down here. Oh, good, because I was like, I yeah. don't remember them all because yeah. they I are not gifts. Not my thing. All of them, yeah. and which is so. First, there are what five? Yeah, five different kinds of love languages. So, words of affirmation, um, acts of service. I believe it's called uh, quality time, physical touch, and then gifts. And what's interesting for me about this is the fact that I really thought that I had some specific love languages that I think have shifted for me over time. So I don't know, like, I don't know how, I don't know the the deal around this, if this is like, these are the things that are just 
pieces of who you are or if these are things that um, change for people. But I know for me, I feel like it has changed depending on what relationship I'm in. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, this would be a fun one for folks to like drop in comments. Like, what are your love languages? Um, and if somebody could, somebody who knows them well could like write all five of them um, in the comments. It's the idea behind this is basically that like we all communicate and receive love in different ways. And um, Gary Chapman was somebody who was like, I'm gonna put a label on five patterns that I see here. Um, and, and you know, one of the mismatches being like, if you're not a words of affirmation person, let's say you're like, this is a really common thing, like, like a words of affirmation person paired with like an acts of service person. And the words of affirmation person will be like, I love you so much. And the acts of service person will be like, I left the light on for you because I knew you were coming home. And then if they don't understand that those are ways of communicating love, <coughs> they, you know, the words of affirmation person will be like, why do you never tell me that you love me? And the access service person will be like, I show you that I love you all the time and you have all of these words, but like, are they even real? Um, so like acknowledging that we all have these different languages is a way to really understand one another and understand our own patterns um, and what it is that we need to feel loved from one another and really learning to communicate in other ways with our partner if it doesn't naturally line up. Um, I too though, interestingly, have experienced, uh, I would call it an expansion of my love languages since being with you. Um, for me, physical touch was just like never a thing. I don't, I have like really strong physical boundaries. Um, and again, <laughs> just getting back to like what changed when I, <laughs> for I'm never not touching Cameron. I. Um, and I think it really freaked my family out because they were like, we've never seen Jonah touch another <laughs> human being on purpose. Yeah. Um, and then I'm, you know, I, I was, we would hang out with them and I'd be like, hi, everyone. I know we're like standing here and I'm like, it's weird that we're not like touching feet or something or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. This is church. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like that was something that like I just really hadn't like, that wasn't a way that I felt loved previously. Um, and now it is, and so I think these things can can change, and they don't have to, and, you know, um, yeah, but people communicate in just different different ways. Anything else we have to say on love languages? No, just, like, that both people, I think, can feel loved by one thing, but also maybe do love in a different way, um, and that sometimes I think is the, the thing where you have to like know your partner totally. and how they receive love rather than how you give love, even if, and sometimes those things are different than as well. So <coughs> I don't know. I think that for me, I thought that like quality time and physical touch were like unmatched by anything else. But I think <laughs> maybe because I get so much uh, physical uh, affection that I'm like, that's super nice. Like but like, plenty, it's also really nice when you like leave the light on for me because yeah. I could tell that you were thinking about me. Um, but please don't affirm me in any kind of way with words <laughs> that is weird. So yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Luciana. It's it <laughs> My friend Lizzie the other day was talking about how someone suggested to her that your love languages, once you know what they are, you can use them to help you love yourself. Um, so if you discover you are a words of affirmation person, writing yourself notes or encouragements or affirmations might be a really good way to give yourself some love. Um, if you are a physical touch person, when it's safe, you know, get a massage or even like learning how to do self acupressure. Um, or even like, I was thinking about my relationship to quality time and how important it is for me to get alone time. Um, and so there are ways that even knowing our, our love languages can help us love ourselves well. I think the same can be said of God, figuring out, you know, am I somebody who likes to give gifts? What can I give an offering? Not just money, but like, you know, people around the world give flower offerings and things like that. Like, how can we get creative about our, our communication of love to ourself and to God and not only to romantic partners. Cool. Cool. All right. Cameron. Yeah. Is it healthy to discuss what if we stop loving each other even when things are great? Yes. 
Just kidding. Yeah, I, I think that this is a really good question. Um, and I think this goes back to the types of love, right? Like, um, things are great, but, like, which love are you talking about? I guess I would ask because I think that there are tons and tons of relationships that start off steamy and whatever, <laughs> and then, like, it becomes something different. and Or that steam is in certain times scheduled you know like I mean that that happens but like which kind of love are you talking about and I think that that's important like communication good lord is like the most important thing I think in in a relationship um, but to keep loving one another in the ways that the other person needs or the other people need um, you know that's really important and so yes like it's healthy to discuss what is going on in your relationship and maybe just you know thinking through again what kind of love are you talking about? Because you might not be talking about the romantic love and maybe that's gone, but like you really want to work on your loyalty or partnership or teammate uh, kind of thing. And so that's something you're going to focus on. I think that's really, really healthy. Yeah. I, I know for me, when we were, when we were engaged, somebody asked me a similar question. Um, and I, and I was kind of like, I know that if, if the kind of like gushy, butterfly, um, I think you're cute, love, if that like were to fade, I would still pick you to be my partner for the rest of my life. Um, and that that was really important to me. And so for me, I definitely was asking that question, like what if, what if we stopped kind of be being in love in this like really dramatic way, even though things were great. And I also want to name that that was still mostly a scarcity move on my part. Because I was like, this can't be forever. I don't <laughs> get nice things. Um, and I think since we've been together, I, I understand for sure that love like that ebbs and flows. But I've also learned that even that Eros love, at some level, like if you have chemistry, if it's there, like if it ever was there organically, it, it, you can make choices to cultivate it. Um, and I'm a researcher, so like <laughs> I read blogs about it and I listen to. Um, what is it? There's a there's a podcast like a five minute weekly podcast c called Small Things. O Cameron doesn't even know because I'm embarrassed about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Small Things Often by the Gottman Institute, and it's like the little choices, the small things that you can do often to cultivate love in your in your relationship. And so, um, so I would say it's healthy to ask that question, and I would also ask where that question is coming from, because um, for me it was fear that it would disappear um, how about this one okay the question is how to approach a love or a relationship when you go through a major change on your own yeah this question's for you it's for me oh how to approach it well I think as a person <laughs> who has gone through a lot of changes um, Cameron's pretty different than when I first <coughs> met him. It's true. And I think that that is, you know, as I was trying to figure out myself, um, I think that I was in relationships. Um, I was in different friendships. I was in all sorts of different situations. <coughs> so sorry. As I'm trying to figure out myself. And so these big major changes are happening. Like, hey, I'm trans. And, uh, and you know, everybody around me is trying to figure that out with me. And also what that meant was I had to evaluate some of my relationships and why I was in them um, and whether or not those were actually healthy for me or if I was, if I was in certain relationships um, out of some unhealthy spaces. And so I think, you know, I, I know that there were certain relationships at, at a time that grew significantly because of major changes I was going through. And there were also really, really, really important and informative relationships that I had that I had to let go. Um, and that, and some of it had nothing to do with the other people. Like some of that had to do with me and why I was in those relationships um, or 
that like things weren't healthy and I was holding on to things because of, of scarcity. I think that's a really important word, scarcity within myself. And so I had to let those things go and it was devastating um, and horrible and hard, but it was ultimately freeing and needed for me. So I mean, how to approach those things when major changes are happening is like, I think loving yourself um, understanding of yourself, uh, uh, valuing growth within yourself, but then also like caring for the other people in the best way that you can um, at the same time because I think sometimes when you become too internal and too about yourself, you end up hurting other people, but at the same time, you know, you can't always be uh, only thinking about other people's feelings. So do you think that that, changes do you think that anything changes in that question when the relationship in question is a marriage Ooh. no i mean i think that so i'm a person that i really 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 love our marriage and i really really value marriage um and part of what i value about marriage is commitment and loyalty so that that teammate thing and so i think that for me, there would be, if, if I would have been married to someone, for instance, or if I, I would have made different choices, probably of like whether to let them go or, or whatnot, but I don't think that the approach is any different because honestly, as a marriage happens, like the other person is also hopefully uh, committed <laughs> and loyal back. And so that would be something that we would need to navigate with one another. Um, but ultimately, if something is unhealthy, get the heck out of it, right? Like, I think that that doesn't matter. If it is unhealthy, literally, get out. Um, but I think if it's like, I'm kind of unhealthy, but we're, we're not necessarily unhealthy, um, and I need your help to, like, to grow because I think we, we grow together. Um, I think there's ways to do that together. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it would be, it, would, it is, I think it's a little different because there is, I think, a commitment level up when you're married. Um, but ultimately, I think the approach doesn't necessarily change. Yeah, definitely. And uh, just to clarify, like I am, I, most divorces happen for really good reasons. Um, and we wanna honor that. And I think that unhealthy relationship patterns, like we all have some. And so, you know, it's, it's a level of, you have to figure out like where the line and then where the bar, where the bar is that you wanna clear. Because I think that couples can grow together and become more healthy, just as individuals can and do. But I do think that there's like a, a deeper obligation to, um, to try within a marriage. I feel like if you're going through a major internal change and you're not married, I feel like there's just a little bit more freedom uh, with all parties to say, this is not the change that I wanna go with, or like, this change is bringing me like in a direction where I understand that this is not for me. And I feel like marriage, there's just a little bit extra, like there's there's been a commitment made to say like, the changes are gonna happen. Like there are, ma we've only been married two and a half years and we've gone through some major changes. And to have to be in that together and say like, okay, well this is, this change is happening within us, um, and so there is an obligation there to, I think, put a, a greater amount of effort into doing it together. And I think, like, y you know, there is two people, so I think that there is a, is a world in which there are some major life changes that another person just, like, can't, can't grow with, and he can't do it. Totally. And that's okay for that person, then, to do that same you know, loving reflection and make cho make choices on on their behalf as well. So, I mean, that's that's the hard part is that there's there's always, you know, more than one person in that in that relationship that has, or that has to make choices, but also are entitled to choices. And so, like, you know, there there's some of that as well. Cool. Which of these do you want to make me answer, knowing that you will have to answer the other? Um, I would love for you to answer. Um, so Jonah. Yes, Cameron. 
Do you need a religious connection uh, for spiritual satisfaction? All right. Um, so this question, I think, probably comes up in different Christian churches under the under the title, um, you know, does my partner need to be a believer? Or, like, can, you know, what happens if we're not equally yoked? Um, that <laughs> so I probably should have put a trigger warning before that phrase. Um there is, uh, there is in a lot of Christian spaces a really big emphasis on not only sharing faith, but having, um, I mean, having one partner usually, not usually, exclusively, men in a heterosexual relationship with a woman, um, l- like leading spiritually. Um, so I think that I just want to acknowledge we have a lot of baggage with this conversation. And I think... I think that spiritual satisfaction or like spiritual depth, spiritual health is what I'll really call it in a relationship is really crucial. And I think that um, (coughs) you can have like two people who share the same religion and are not spiritually connected. Um, And you can have people who don't share the same religion and are spiritually connected. And I will say that in my experience personally and in most of the relationships that I know, it's harder it's just harder. The, there are different things to tackle. Um, but again, like I, I have dated people who have shared my beliefs and we haven't been spiritually connected either. So I think that you know, it's a choice. It's not like because I marry a Christian or because I date a Christian or because my friends are Christian, we'll automatically be spiritually connected to one another. I think those are a set of choices that you have to make and cultivate. Um, and I think it's hard no matter what. And so for me, I was like, I want everything going for me in this. And I think one of the things I really struggled with as a queer and trans person, um, as a person with radical leftist politics, I, I just thought it was impossible. Like, I, I literally would just like do math about it. Um, you know, and I'd factor in all these really depressing things, um, including stats about like my, my age and education status and all these things like, uh, where it's like, I will, if I, if I hold to all these things that I really long for, I will never find a person that I want to be, um, married to. And I was really, I just, I, I kind of, I just thought it wasn't possible for me to be with somebody who shared my faith. And lo and behold, <laughs> um, I found somebody who shares so much of my faith and my identity and my um, call and vocation. Uh, I, on paper, our relationship doesn't make any sense. And um, like it makes a ton of sense for us, but like statistically and in the world, yeah. it just seems really unlikely. And I think that I really bought into that. And again, I just want to come back to that scarcity mentality. I, I believed that I couldn't have a partnership with somebody who loved Jesus the way that I do, um, because I just didn't believe it was out there, and I didn't believe that I could find love, and I didn't believe that that I was lovable enough that somebody who would share all of that would love me back. Um, and I think that that's uh, this again is a question of like, well, what what is at stake here, and why are we asking? Because for me, I had given up pretty much on on dating somebody who shared my faith in this way because I thought it wasn't possible. Now, if you're in a relationship with somebody who ha- is a different religion than you or has that, um, you guys have different approaches to spirituality, that doesn't mean that it's impossible to forge a spiritual connection. I think it's very possible, and I think it's harder. So I think that there, it's just so much intention required, so much respect. Um, I think understanding the depth and, and textures and contours of another person's relationship with the divine um, is important no matter what anybody believes and needs to be handled with care. And I think that there are, I believe that God speaks to us in the ways that we are capable of hearing, right? And so I believe that we are all, all of us who are on a genuine spiritual journey are in conversation with the same God. And when we can find those points of connection and nurture them. Um, And when our relationship draws us in towards God and draws us towards each other as a process of of drawing us toward God, that's when, that's that spiritual health, spiritual satisfaction that I think that we all deserve and long for. Good enough? It's great. It's a great answer. Great. All right, Cameron, (laughs) how can we honor God in a relationship? Yeah, I think that honoring God in a relationship 
is similar to like honoring God uh, in your life in general, right? Like I think if you feel like when you're going out into the world with your partner or people and, you know, you're doing things that are contrary to what you feel like you are learning at Zao and all those things, like, then you, we need to reevaluate. But, like, I think that relationships can be powerful and relationships can um, be powerfully, um, uh, what's the word, like, for the public to see, right? Um, and so honoring God, I think, is that simple, like, loving your partner well and loving yourself well, and then loving others well with your people. Um, and I think it's, it's as simple as that. Um, but I think that if you're, if you're holding true to kind of those, those, to the Zao core values within your relationship, I think that that will obviously transf uh, transfer to the world and people will see that. And I think that that's, that's really honoring God with your relationship. So, you know, loving others. Um, together, I think is really, really, really honoring to God. Yeah, and I, I think that word honor is a really curious one. Um, it's one that comes up a lot in other churches. How do we honor God? Um, and I think it's a good word, right? We want to honor our partner. We want to honor ourselves. We want to honor God. But I think that um, if we're only thinking about honoring God and not honoring ourselves and our partners, we might want to investigate that that word choice as well. Um, so I think like we could also ask, how can we love God in our relationships and, and come up with that same answer um, and say, you know, loving God is about that agape kind of spreading, you know, love is love is generative. Love creates more love. And um, and and that brings us to our final question, because, oh, my gosh, we didn't even get I have a whole stack y'all of like stuff that the internet is saying about love that I wanted us to talk about. We've gotten to literally none of them. Jeez. And, <laughs> and we still have more stuff from the community that we haven't gotten to answer. So apologies to everyone. Um, we may just have to start our own podcast about being in love. Um, <laughs> Jonah and the Peacock. Uh, just kidding. Jonah's now, starting a podcast. I am. It's fine. It's not about this. Um, Okay, so the last one, uh, so I picked this one, which is, if you want to read a bunch of the stuff about, like, God is love, um, God is love, and, and we love, we, like, we know love, and therefore we know God, and um, all that kind of stuff. That's all in First John, um, and so if you want to kind of meditate on any of this um, today for Valentine's Day or at any other time, head to First John. Um, it's a short little book in there, and um, the author of, of those letters, First through Third John, loves love and loves to talk about love and God in really poetic and beautiful ways. But one of the things that I, that I pulled out um, in 1 John chapter 4, 19, is the idea that, uh, that we love because God loved us first. And I want to hear your thoughts about that, Cameron. This is, these are unfair. You have thought about this. Um, you, you like, you, you want to be, you like just on the spot, rattle it off. This is, this is some, yeah. We love because God first loved us. What does it mean, Pastor Cameron? Yeah. I, this is like, I think this is really complicated because what this makes me think of is like you have to love yourself before you can actually love others. Um, or like, when I was growing up, there was this like, I don't know, diagram of like, God, like you have to love God so that you can love out right? There's that kind of thing. Um, and then obviously like God made you. And so obviously God chose you and you're so loved and now you need to go love. Um, and I think that there's beauty in all of those sentiments um, that for me, as I've, <laughs> as I've learned more and more about myself and as I've uh, stripped away a bunch of like false narratives that the world has given me and a bunch of like uh, just garbage as I've done that I have learned to then love myself more and I think that for me that when I've been able to do that I have I'm more grounded I'm more myself I'm more all of these things in a way that allows me to open myself up to love in different ways and open myself up to be able to love 
uh, others in different ways that I don't think I could have in the past. And so I think um, that's that's what that that's what that makes me think of. Which, <coughs> if I am a, I'm a Christian who is learning by watching the ways of Jesus, um, therefore I see God's love on earth, and I'm able to see that, and then. I then can then replicate that so that I can love others. That's how I see this verse. Um, but I think that, again, this is super complicated. There's tons of things to discuss around that, I think. But I'll let you talk, and then maybe I'll say some other things. <laughs> oh, it is so rare that you are, like, a little thrown off by a question like this because you always you always got something. There's just so much. Like, that's one verse. But I think that that can be taken in different ways, that has been taken in different totally. ways. Um, there's a lot of just like garbage about love. There is, there is. And actually like, I, I think this serves as a chat, like, well, a partial challenge and a partial affirmation to that idea that you have to love yourself before you can love others. Um, the affirmation is that like, I think this affirms that we need to receive, we need to be, feel loved before we have the capacity to love others. But the challenge is that it, it actually doesn't fall on us because God did it for us that like you don't have to learn to love yourself before you can love others because God already loves you and so you are loved fundamentally you are loved there is love within you there is love to give because God gave it to you now the, the the relationship between being able to love God well and people well and to love yourself well I think those are all reciprocal relationships personally like I think the more I can connect to that love of God the more I can feel God's love for me, the more I can love myself, the better able I am to love other people. But, I, you know, sometimes the love we have for other people or God is like a roadmap. I think, I think this was probably also on Instagram, but like it's, it's, it can serve as a model for how we love ourselves. Um, sometimes it's, it feels like it comes a lot more easily to love other people than love ourselves, and we have to learn. I think that's why we always get into the thing of like, well, would you say that to someone else, the thing that you say to yourself? Would you treat someone else that way or have these expectations of someone else? Because there is a natural inclination towards loving kindness, that agape love that, that we can pour out, even if we have a hard time pouring in. And I think that's because God gave it to us. I think part of what's hard about this is like the <laughs> so many people who say that they love God, who say that they are loving you, which, you know, go back and look at my sermon a couple weeks ago, uh, say they love you. Right. And so it's like we love because God love. Well, when God's love is corrupted into something that it's not, then it's like, well, I don't want to love like that. Totally. Crappy God love. Right. And. You know, I think that sometimes people don't connect to God and therefore like I some of some of the most loving people I know have zero interest in being uh, Christian or like talking to God or wanting to like be about God. And so I think, you know, this is very, you know, Christian centric in a way. And I I, of course. I'm a Christian and a pastor, and I totally believe in God, and I totally believe that, like, if that, that what you kind of were saying earlier, where we're all searching for this thing, and I think that we're all searching for something, you know, higher than ourselves, and for me, that's God, and that, that's God's love, actually, and, and I'm constantly searching for that magnificent, huge God's love that we talk about um, that I think has been taken from people rather than given freely um and so again it's it's kind of this like <coughs> this weird i want to love because god first loved me certainly but so many people say that where it's like actually like you need to just like figure your crap out um so that you can love um and i believe if you do that then you know obviously god can can be with you in that but I think that's part of why I was like, oh, this that's a hard one because so many people have been hurt by God's love. Yeah. And that's 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 that moving definition of what love is. Right. What is love? Yeah, that that one. That was for Andrew. Yeah, true. Are you going to do, do the other one that you want to know what love is? No, that's that's I a different day. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think that like part of this, it, right before John writes this, he's talking about how to know love is to know God. And, and people who don't know love don't know God because God is love. But I think that that's like a, it's a weird thing that he sets up to knock down because there is no one who doesn't know love. It's not to say, oh, yeah, those guys over there, they don't know love, so therefore they don't know God. Because you can go back, you know, this is Paul's work, but in, in Romans, Paul is answering the question, like, what about people who have never been introduced to the story of the gospel? And Paul's answer is basically, like, are they alive? Like, do they, do they know creation? If so, like, creation makes God's love and God's self, self-evident. And I think that there is there's just something to be said that, like, love isn't something outside of us. Love is the thing that made us and the thing that makes us us. That we are that we are fundamentally loving and brought into being by love, and therefore we're all capable of it, and we all do fundamentally receive it from God. Even if we twist it in the way we talk about it, and we abuse people with our messed up definitions of it, and we call things loving that are not, like underneath all of our misunderstanding is is an unbreakable connection between us and God, which is love that brings us into being. And and I think that that's, that's why we can talk about love and say it's not defined by any human relationships. And we can play with it and we can surf on it and we can cultivate it in our human relationships, but fundamentally love is a gift from God that we all have. And if that's what Valentine's Day was about, I would buy a lot more cards. I was like, how do you put that crap in a card because I would buy that one? You know, that was beautiful. Well, this is why I love them. Happy Valentine's Day, y'all. All right. Um, I think I think we should we should pray it out. Yeah. You got it. All right. I'm the one. Uh, dear God, thank you so much for loving us and for giving us opportunities and ways to celebrate and remember that love in all its many forms. Help us to see love for what it is, to see you for who you are and to see ourselves as made in your image of love, by love, for love. In your name we pray. Amen.